Welcome to the Communique podcast. The objectives of the Communiques are to develop, produce and distribute electronic educational publications that encourage clinical practice to change for the benefits of patients, residents, health and aged care services and the whole community. Over half of our subscribers attribute a change in their clinical practice due to the Communique. The print versions in these podcasts present cases of premature and preventable deaths that occur in health and aged care settings. We explore three areas. What happened? Why did it happen? And what action can we take to prevent it from happening again? The cases are the accounts from the completed medico-legal death investigation of the coroner's court and our team of senior medical and nursing practitioner present this coronial information in a manner and format that is familiar to clinicians. Our three publications are the Clinical Communique, focusing on acute care, the Future Leaders Communique, designed for recent health graduates, and the Residential Aged Care Communique, which examines deaths in aged care or nursing homes. The online print versions are available at our website, thecommuniques.com, which also includes the resources recommended for each edition. Welcome to this edition of the Residential Aged Care Communique podcast. I'm Professor Joseph Ibrahim, and I am the editor of the Residential Aged Care Communique. In this podcast, we will be presenting the special edition examining the COVID-19 pandemic and its impact on aged care. The podcast has four parts. The first part will be a short editorial introducing the subject matter. The second part is a detailed case report that's come from the United States of America reflecting on a outbreak of COVID-19 in a long-term care facility. The third section examines aspects of the COVID-19 pandemic that are not so obvious to us or our listeners. The fourth and final part is called Meeting the Challenges Ahead Requires Speculation. And in this section, we examine some of the issues and approaches that will be needed if we are to successfully respond to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. I will now hand over to our narrator, Mr. Luke Ward. Welcome to the COVID-19 Residential Aged Care Communique. My name is Luke Ward, and I will be presenting this podcast. The contents of this edition include one, an editorial, two, a case report, three, aspects of COVID-19 that are not so obvious, and four, meeting the challenges ahead requires speculation. This communique is brought to you by Editor-in-Chief Joseph E. Ibrahim and Consultant Editor Nicola Cunningham. This is a special edition of the Residential Aged Care Communique. The COVID-19 pandemic has changed the world as we know it. The challenges ahead for residential aged care services are profound. We have all seen the distressing pictures from Spain where residential aged care services were abandoned and the military had to move in to provide support. As a sector, we are amazingly robust in our capacity to care, problem solve and work together. We need those qualities now 
more than ever. ABC News is reporting that 17 residential aged care services are affected with 41 staff or residents diagnosed with COVID-19. We need to learn as much and as quickly as we can about what happened in these residential aged care services. We need to understand how and why these occurred, how these were managed, and what we can do next time. This RAC Communique edition presents a sobering case report from the United States of America, which describes the not-so-obvious aspects about the COVID-19 pandemic, and four potential scenarios for residential aged care services to consider in our planning. Welcome to Section 2 of this special edition, The Case Report. First, we will look at The Case Report, which is brought to you by Professor Joseph E. Ibrahim from the Department of Forensic Medicine at Monash University. This is a summary of an article published on the 27th of March 2020 in the New England Journal of Medicine. It was written by Teme M. McMichael and colleagues and titled Epidemiology of COVID-19 in a Long-Term Care Facility in King County, Washington. Firstly, we will look at the clinical summary. Miss Q was a 73-year-old woman with a past medical history that included insulin-dependent type 2 diabetes mellitus, obesity, chronic kidney disease, hypertension, coronary artery disease, and heart failure. Miss Q resided in a skilled nursing facility with approximately 130 residents and a workforce of 170 staff. This was a licensed healthcare residence for individuals who require a higher level of medical care than can be provided in an assisted living facility. On the 19th of February, 2020, Miss Q developed a cough, fever, and shortness of breath. Her respiratory status gradually worsened, and despite the use of supplemental oxygen, she required transfer to a local hospital five days later. In hospital, she was found to be febrile at 39.6 degrees Celsius, tachycardic, tachynoic, and hypoxemic, with oxygen saturation at 83% on room air. A computed tomographic scan of the chest revealed diffuse bilateral pulmonary infiltrates. There was no known history of travel or contact with persons known to have COVID-19. At that time, Miss Q did not fulfil the criteria for COVID-19 laboratory testing. As her condition deteriorated, COVID-19 laboratory testing was ordered on the 27th of February and a positive result was returned. The Centre for Disease Control and Prevention, which is the leading national public health institute of the United States, was immediately notified. An outbreak investigation and measures to limit the spread of infection were immediately put into place. Personnel from the CDC field team arrived on site within two days to assist with the investigation. Miss Q died on the 2nd of March 2020. Now, we will continue with the CDC investigation. On the 28th of February, it became known that at least 45 residents and staff across the facility had symptoms of respiratory illness. Three weeks later, on the 18th of March, there was a total of 167 persons with COVID-19 linked to the facility, 
comprising 101 residents, 50 healthcare staff, and 16 visitors. The outcomes at that point for these three groups were, of the 101 residents, 55 were hospitalised and 34 died. Of the 50 healthcare staff, three were hospitalised and none died. Of the 16 visitors, eight were hospitalised and one died. The CDC identified the following factors that contributed to this event. 1. Staff who had worked while symptomatic. 2. Staff who worked in more than one part of the facility. 3. Inadequate familiarity with and adherence to personal protective equipment recommendations. 4. Challenges to implementing proper infection control practices, including inadequate supplies of personal protective equipment and other items, for example, alcohol-based hand sanitizer. 5. Delayed recognition of cases because of a low index of suspicion. 6. Limited availability of testing. And 7. Difficulty identifying persons with COVID-19 on the basis of signs and symptoms alone. The CDC also identified the following challenges with personal protective equipment. 1. An initial lack of available eye protection. 2. Frequent changes in personal protective equipment types because supply chains were disrupted and personal protective equipment was being obtained through various donations or suppliers. And 3. Need for a designated staff member to observe personal protective equipment use to ensure that staff were consistent with safe personal protective equipment handling. For example, not touching or adjusting face protection, primarily face masks, during extended use. Lastly, we look at CDC actions. As a result, the following initiatives were instituted to strengthen local infection control measures for staff. 1. Five focused personal protective equipment trainings for facility staff, including donning and doffing demonstrations and practice. 2. Three additional basic infection control visits. 3. Hand hygiene assessments. 4. Audits of personal protective equipment use. And finally, 5. Reviews of environmental cleaning and disinfection practices. Welcome to this section titled Aspects of COVID-19 that are not so obvious. The next section I'm going to cover outlines the aspects of COVID-19 that are not so obvious. 1. A pandemic is not like an infectious outbreak. A pandemic affects the whole country and the whole world, while an infectious outbreak is often limited to a smaller setting. That may sound like stating the obvious, but what it really means for residential aged care services is that the supports we usually rely on may not be there to the same extent. For example, if one or two facilities have a major infectious outbreak or gastroenteritis, we know that we can call on others to help. We know the risk to staff is often low and we have experience in handling the situation. We know who to ask and what to do to get additional staff or resources. The acute hospital is able to help us and the outbreak is often able to be contained relatively quickly. A pandemic is very different. The COVID-19 is a new virus and we are not yet familiar with it. It affects residents, 
staff and visitors. The usual resources we draw on are preoccupied managing their internal responsibilities. Our decision-making in a pandemic must balance the needs of the resident, family, staff, the community and the health services. No simple task. Two, COVID-19 is not like influenza. To consider COVID-19 is just like influenza is to dangerously underestimate what we need to do to control this pandemic. A person with COVID-19 usually infects at least twice as many more people than influenza. The COVID-19 case fatality rate is tenfold more likely to kill than influenza. There is no vaccine for COVID-19. Three, older people are most vulnerable. Infection with COVID-19 is most dangerous for older people, especially those over 80 years of age with chronic disease such as diabetes mellitus, hypertension, heart failure, and renal disease. The community case fatality rate varies and the commonly quoted figure is around 15 to 20%. The case reports from the USA where outbreaks in long-term care facilities have occurred quote fatality rates of residents around 30 to 35%. The fatality rate of COVID-19 in younger people is much, much less. However, because there are so many young people, about 20 million under 60 years in Australia, even if a tiny fraction becomes unwell, the actual numbers are very large. Four, simple steps save lives. Hand washing. Do it properly, do it all the time. It has been around for centuries and it is proven to save lives. Adhere to social distancing and all the other measures being promoted. Speak up, ask for help, escalate concerns quickly and calmly. Do not hesitate. Raising an issue could save a life. Generate and promote an attitude that says we want to save every life. Every life matters and we can do that by working together. A fait accompli attitude is not going to help you, your residents, our families, or our community. Five, emergency response approach to the COVID-19 pandemic. There are four stages to the emergency response, which are one, prevention, two, preparedness, three, response, and four, recovery. These are self-explanatory. What we want to highlight is that these stages do not occur at the same time in different places. As such, we sometimes become confused when we read about different strategies being used at the same time. The reason this occurs is that the response must be tailored for the nature and extent of the infections in the local area. Welcome to the next section, meeting the challenges ahead requires us to speculate. In the last section of the communique, we look at how meeting the challenges ahead requires speculation. This section provides a broad overview of the major challenges ahead for residential aged care services that we will be working to address collectively. Our team have sent these scenarios to the Department of the Prime Minister and Cabinet 
the Royal Commission into Aged Care Quality and Safety, the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission, the Department of Health and Human Services Victoria, and Safer Care Victoria, to assist with their emergency management response to the pandemic. 1. The COVID-19 pandemic requires residential aged care services to provide the services that are not usually their role. Residential aged care services executive, staff, residents and families will be called upon to adapt to the dramatically changing accommodation, care and working environment. The need to align and coordinate with health services and other groups to achieve the best outcome is essential. Some residential aged care may need to gear up to complete care that would ordinarily take place in a hospital or perhaps become a quarantine-style facility to care for residents that have recovered from COVID-19. We may feel ill-equipped when asked to perform duties that are beyond our usual scope of practice. We should remember that this is a time where we all need to pitch in and use our common sense and focus on harnessing a can-do or give-it-a-go spirit. Together, we can save lives. 2. Becoming self-reliant. This is no surprise to our subscribers, who will argue that residential aged care services and aged care staff have always had to be self-reliant. The COVID-19 pandemic requires we become more independent as the health services we usually draw upon, the general practitioners, the emergency department and acute hospitals may become overwhelmed and overstretched managing the people in the general community that require clinical care. Innovation around telehealth, drawing on our existing clinical skills in the residential aged care sector and networking will help us to better cope. We may get angry and worried when we ask for help and it takes time to arrive. Relationships with existing health providers will become stressed or perhaps fractured. The time and energy expended to address this may be counterproductive and distract us. What we should remember is everyone is doing their best in an overwhelming situation and look at a solution that works. Our thinking shifts from this is what we usually do to this is the best course of action when we are in a worldwide emergency. 3. Addressing family concerns. When we cannot see something, we start to picture the worst possible consequences. Everyone is scared because of COVID-19. That's normal. What we need to do is recognise that feeling and refocus to addressing the source of that fear. The best way to do that is acting to prevent it spreading. The lockdown procedures needed now to prevent spread of COVID-19 will create anxieties that we need to manage. Family may want to transfer a loved one to their own home or another facility. We must remain calm and talk through the key concerns and issues. Families are worried about three major areas when residential aged care services are restricting or not allowing visitors. Most families worry about the social isolation. Some who are providing hands-on care worry about who will do that now, and others have a lack of trust in the whole sector. It is important we recognise that general concern and not take it personally, even though that's how it feels. 
We maintain and restore confidence by listening and informing families of what is happening and showing them their loved ones are receiving the care they need. Approaches to managing these situations will vary depending on the residential aged care service, the relationship to the acute care hospital, and the number of people infected with COVID-19. These require careful and considered thinking. Thank you for listening. More COVID-19 and aged care podcasts are available at profjoe.com.au. This series of podcasts were developed to enable people to multitask during the pandemic. We considered it would be more productive for people to listen while working and perhaps listen together and discuss. We have eight episodes and more coming. These are designed specifically to address issues facing residential aged care service residents, staff and managers. The episodes available examine the COVID-19 pandemic, lockdowns and how to have a humane lockdown. Have a listen. These are free. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I want to remind our listeners that they can hear more about the pandemic and aged care in the Prof Joe COVID-19 and aged care podcasts. These are available at profjoe.com.au.